I will try to make this uh, very, very practical. How many, of, let me know age groups, by the way. How many of you have um, toddler age kids, like little ones? Okay. Oh, that whole group, very, very active people. Um, so a couple quick things. Let me just do this really quickly. Toddlers. Remember, toddlers are not supposed to be productive or efficient, right? Like you get that idea of like, I want them. Their job is to basically ruin your agenda, right? It's true. Because you're a busy mom and you're like, I wake up, we've got an agenda. And then they like ruin it. Their job is to make messes. It's to be curious, right? They have the rest of their lives to be miserable like the rest of us being all responsible. I'm not saying let them get away with stuff, but their job is to make messes. Relax. I want uh, young parents to know. Uh, for those of you who are older parents, remember when you first have your child and you're like, every decision we make is going to determine whether our child grows up and has a good life or, right, like every, you can mess up even a fair amount, your child's gonna be okay. Right, when they're toddler, there are some days when you just have to get through the day with toddlers and you just eat mac and cheese for four straight nights. The kids will be happy, don't worry about it. Um, but we'll go through some things for young kids. Um, uh, elementary school age kids, okay, lots there, we'll do a lot in that area. Um, middle school, okay, good luck. It's a really hard age. How many of you have a middle school age boy in particular? Oh, good. So if your middle school age boy is home right now, guess what he's doing? Nothing. He's not doing his chores and he's not doing homework. He's sitting in a hoodie sweatshirt, probably the same hoodie sweatshirt he's worn for 18 straight days, and he's probably playing video games because that's what middle school age boys do. It's a hibernation phase of life. There are not many middle school age boys that come home and are like, Mom, Dad, I want more chores and I want more schoolwork. I want to show you how motivated I am in life. They're not like that. And so I don't want you to freak out because what happens is you start to look at that middle school age child or high school and start to think like, who is possibly going to marry this child? Who is going to hire this child one day? Because he doesn't apply himself. He doesn't give his best. And you'll start to lecture them. And what happens, and I want you to watch out for this, is you, we tend to pick out all the things they're doing wrong or all the things they're not doing right. And eventually what will happen inside is they will say, you know what, it's never good enough for you. I can never please you. Let's forget it. And they will shut down. And I don't want them to shut down. So if you want one little thing to do, if I could give you, uh, I like small goals for the next week. And I really mean this. I would simply point out for the next week all the things they're actually doing well. Especially a strong will child. If you affirm what they're already doing well, I promise you they will begin to work hard for you. But if it's always like, hey, nice job, but then you just ruined it. And it sounds counterintuitive. It's like, but how are they going to? It's not like pointing out their negatives has, has worked so far anyway, right? It's not like one more lecture is going to be like, I'm, right, dad? It's not like there's no Newt Rockney speech that's going to be like, dad, I didn't realize how much wisdom you had. But after you lectured me again, all of a sudden the light bulb went off and I realized you have all the answers. Like, it's just not going to happen. So we'll get to that. High school age kids? Okay, not many. It's pretty much most time people don't come out. They're like, I'm almost done. We're good. <laughs> so for the older kids, what we'll get to is internal motivation. I'll go through that a little bit later because there's not always a lot you can do to motivate them externally. So it has to come from within. So how many of you do have a child that you term a little bit more strong-willed? Right? 
Okay, That's, why else would you come to a parenting workshop? So, here is how we describe these kids. They tend to be very bright kids. They're not always academically motivated, but they're bright. They just tend to use their intelligence to argue with you, right? And you will go through their childhood saying this, if you would just do what I asked you to do, you would be done in seven minutes. But you'd rather argue with me for seven hours or days or weeks or years and lose everything you own. Anybody have those kids? Anybody have kids um, for whom consequences don't matter? They literally don't care. You can say, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. And they'll say, oh, could we use Irish Spring? And they will call your bluff. Realize this. Consequences are important because they establish boundaries. But consequences don't change human behavior. They don't. If consequences worked, jails wouldn't be filled, and all the men in here wouldn't keep making stupid choices that we always do, right? Because we do. We're men. We do that. So we'll, go, we'll do some things on consequences, but I want to go beyond consequences because they don't really work for the strong-willed child. It has to come from within again. Um, strong-willed kids, um, you can't really push these kids a lot. If you, how many of you have noticed, if you push, they resist more. You have to lead these kids, and we're going to go through how to do that. Um, one of the hardest parts of strong-willed kids is that uh, they will never do things the way you want them done. They're not going to do it your way. It's going to irritate you because you're like, I am the authority figure in the home. You need to do what I, right? Do what I told you to do. It's not that hard. We already do half the things for you, right? How many of you do that? You've dumbed down life. You're like, we know you're not going to do that. And they still won't do it. So this is not permissive parenting. It's not a lot getting, allowing them to get away with things. At the same time, you have to do things a little bit differently. Otherwise, everything becomes a power struggle. And I want to let go of some of the power struggles. So, and, and realize something with power struggles. It takes two people to have a power struggle. Your strong-willed child is going to attempt power struggles every single day. It's what they do. Whether we choose to participate is our option. Let me give you a quick example of, um, and I'll get into the real stuff, but of I prefer discipline that's very low-key, that is um, um, short and sweet, even matter-of-fact tone in how I do it. So I'll give you two examples. So uh, dad, dad uh, calls me. He's like, you know what? My nine-year-old son last night, he uh, snuck his iPad into bed. Breach of trust. What kind of consequence? And he's really upset. Now, you don't have to agree with any of this. I expect a nine-year-old to try to sneak his iPad into bed. Why would you not try to get access to something that has all the world's information? And all the, right? That, like, we were mischievous as kids. It doesn't shock me that he did that. So I don't like to reinforce a lot of shame and do things like, can't believe that you would do that. What were you thinking? In fact, those phrases, watch that. What were you thinking? How many times do we have to tell you? Literally means you're an idiot. Drew, if you say like, what were you, like if any of the women here, your husband came home and said, what were you thinking? You'd be like, I was rethinking my marriage choice is what I was thinking, <laughs> right? No, it's a demeaning. So my response to the nine-year-old is, of course you wanted to sneak your iPad into bed. Why wouldn't you? Right? I'm not, I, it doesn't shock me. I'm not saying it was good, but then I say, but you know the rules in our house. iPad in the bed, uh, electronics on after 9 p.m., whatever it is. 
you just chose to forfeit your video games and your iPad for the next three days. That's it. I don't do a lot of like, we really need to talk about your behavior. And all those long-winded things, to me, I believe they're provoking children to anger because it's nonstop talking. He already knows what he did was wrong. That's why he snuck it. If I'm a dad, my response might be, next time, just don't get caught. Do it better. True. How many of men in here, secretly, that's what you want to tell them? True? Because that's right. It's like, don't be an idiot. Like, it was easy. Anyway, but I can address the issue, but I don't create a lot of drama. It, it, another one that happens a lot. Uh, teenage daughter changed all the passwords, like, on her phone and on her computer. Why? Because she doesn't want her parents to see where she's going on the Internet. Again, I'm not saying that's it's not right, but it's not abnormal. It's a norm. And rather than, I can't believe that you would do this, it's, honey, I would go very low-key and walk up to her and just say, by 3 o'clock this afternoon, or whatever time, I expect all the passwords to be reverted back. Otherwise, I'm going to call Verizon, let them know. We don't need that extra line. And the router's cut off. Kiss on the cheek, walk away. Low-key, uh, by the way, I'm going to use this a lot, space. I give strong-willed kids a lot of space. If you stand there and talk to them a lot, ugh, they're going to do all those things. In fact, this teenage daughter, when you do that, I guarantee here's what she's going to say. Oh, you guys are so lame. None of my friends' parents make them do that. Ugh. You don't have to agree with this. I expect that. I, just, I don't bite on that one. Young lady, if you have such an attitude, if you would just do what I say, I, I just walk away. I give you permission sometime. You can only do this with a smile on your face. Next time your kids come into the room and ask you to take them someplace, fix them something, just do this. Ugh. You guys are so annoying. You always ask for things, want us to do things, but you can't do it out of bitterness. Just smile when you do it. Anyway, so... Um, here, uh, quickly, here's where our experience comes from. The big talk kid, if you met him uh, out there, is our son Casey. He's 29 now. Came out of the womb with boxing gloves on. Loved to argue, negotiate, all those things. He was useless as a child. He was horrible as a child. How many of your kids, you know, you're like, if we can just get them to adulthood, right, they're going to be okay. Brief stint in jail, maybe, but after that, like, they're going to kill it. Casey was not an awesome kid. He is an awesome adult. He struggled as a kid. Now, we changed that around because I spent the first nine years of his life trying to fix him and change him, right? I used to go for walks and ask God, like, why did you give us this kid? Everything's difficult. He melts down over little things. And the, I started hearing these little, this little voice asking three questions. What if your son is made like this on purpose? What if he's made like that on purpose? What if by trying to change your son, you are frustrating my purposes for your son? Then the third question was, what if instead of trying to change your son, you're the one who needs to change? And I blocked that voice out because I'm a man and I live in a denial of my issues. So, because men do, don't we? Right? I don't have anger issues. <laughs> Clearly you don't. Right? No, we have issues. And so what, what I learned was when I began changing and seeing him in a different way, and not reacting to him all the time, his behavior changed very quickly. So we'll go over that a little bit. So we did something uh, uh, different. Instead of bringing kids into a therapeutic office, we opened up our home. 
So the idea was we would have 8, 10, 15 strong-willed kids, kids on the spectrum, in our house at any one time, and we would change plans on them at the last minute because your kids can't deal with changes in plans. How many of you have kids, little things being messed up freaks them out, right? Big things can happen, and they're okay because that stimulates their brain. But little things going wrong, instantly, right? And I'm very much like that. So we wanted to put them in situations where they would melt down, they get upset so we could teach them how to control their own emotions, how to control their own frustration. So over the course of a decade, we had about 1,500 of those kids in our home. So I hope what you find is, I wanna make this very practical. Some of it's gonna rub you the wrong way, it's gonna challenge you, and I hope you're okay with that. If, I, if I'm getting older, if you don't mind, can I just be blunt? I'll tell you what I think and you don't have to agree, you can be wrong. And you, I'm just kidding. I'm just, like, I'm just like your kids, and some of the things I say will uh, rub you the wrong way. But try to look past that and take all the good stuff. So here's what we're going to start with, us as adults. So two principles. One, the quickest way to change your child's behavior is to first control yourself. And the only person in life that you can control, you truly control is yourself. So I want to give you two things to work on this coming week and, and see how they work. One is body posture. This will sound really silly, it'll sound kind of stupid, but the next time you're in some kind of power struggle or things are escalating in the home, this will sound really dumb. I just want you to sit down. Walk into a room and sit down. Because when you sit down, it is virtually impossible to yell at your kids and get upset. It changes something. When you're just sitting with your legs crossed and you're trying to do this and yell at your kids, it's hard. If I'm walking around like this, I want to yell at someone right now, right? Sometimes stand up like this, you kind of feel like a jerk, right? Like I feel like picking a fight with you, except that you would beat me up, so I won't. So I'll give you a quick example. So you've got those two siblings that are squabbling in the uh, uh, living room. Typically what we do is, guys, you know what? I buy you guys all these toys, all these video games. You can't even play well together for 20 minutes. You, you go to your room. You, you go to your room. Did we actually discipline? No, because discipline literally means to teach. I just separated two kids, why? Because I just want them to shut up. But I didn't solve anything. But I guarantee you, if I walk into that room, lay down on the floor, or just sit down, the two kids are gonna stop squabbling. They're gonna look at you like, mom, what are you doing? It's one, they've never seen you sit as a mom, and it's weird. Now you can teach. And let's say in most sibling situations, we've got the provoking child. I'm going to make you the provoking child, and then you're going to be like the reacting child. So we already established a provoking child provokes because he gets bored. So when I come in and sit down, they're like, what are you doing? What, what is it, TJ? TJ, here's what I know about you. You've got this awesome brain. It's very, very busy. You're always thinking of ideas, goes really fast. And your biggest, uh, one of your biggest challenges in life is when you get bored. When you get bored, you need to stimulate your brain, so what you do at home is you just pick on your brother. Downside of that is you just lose all your stuff all the time. But here's what else I know about you. You've got a big heart, never toward me, but toward other people. How many of you have kids who are awesome for other people and horrible for you? That's very, very normal. And anyway, so you've got a big heart and you love money. And if you have strong-willed kids that love money, and not in a bad way, they have big hearts. So TJ... Here's the deal. You may continue to pick on your brother if you want, but you're just going to lose all your stuff. Or if you want to come help me fix dinner, I bet we could brainstorm three different ways for you to earn some money in the neighborhood 
With that money, you earn, make your, buy your own toys, games, and you give some of that money to kids with cancer. I'll even, I'll even match whatever you, whatever you donate. So what I'm doing is, instead of, leave your brother alone. Why can't you ever just play? All of those things that just dump on the kid, I'm like, I know why you're getting in trouble. Because you're bored. It's normal. Picking on your brother, not going to work. And he's going to be bigger than you one day and pound you. You'll learn your lesson. But here's an alternative based on two good things I see in you. Does that make sense? And then with the other child who's always reacting, like, well, he's irritating. Of course he's irritating. Welcome to life. People are irritating. Literally everybody and everything in life is irritating at some point. But if all you're ever going to do is react to irritating people or situations, you're going to be miserable. And I can't help you with that. But if you want to learn how to control yourself and stop reacting to your brother, oh, I can show you how to do that. And so now I'm trying to start to teach them rather than just separating them. Does that make sense? But anyway, some, for some of us in here, the goal won't even be to de-escalate. It's just to keep from escalating everything. And I will promise you, it was the first thing I did. My dad was career military. My dad knew fear and intimidation, yelling and screaming. And so he had four sons. We all grew up, got married and had kids, and did the same exact things. Yell, scream, fear and intimidation. And when I started learning how to calm down, I didn't know how. I'm very intense. So I just found out when I sat down, I tended to talk a little bit differently to my son than when I'm standing here like this, right? It's that whole thing of like, you know what? We need to have a talk about your attitude right now, young man. Like, has that ever worked in the history? Like, what kid's going to be like, you know what? Now would be a good time, Dad. (laughs) Just bring it, Dad. Tell me what an awful kid I, right? It just doesn't work. And so... Body posture, I try that one. Tone of voice with a strong-willed child, really important. Sometimes we start with that really sweet voice. Sweetie, baby, mommy needs your help. That won't work. They hear it as condescending, and they hear it as weakness. I would not refer to myself. Do you do that? Do you use that sometimes? Yeah. You know why? Because here's what the strong-willed child hears. Sweetie, baby, you scare the crap out of us. Because every time we ask you to do something, right, we get that, like, sing-songy mommy voice. Maybe Jesus will help, too. And, like, Jesus isn't even helping. So it sounds like weakness. I would not refer to myself with the strong-willed child as mommy or daddy. I talk to 4-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 24-year-olds like adults. They respect that voice, and it feels safe to them. That sing-songy, none of that. The pleading tone. Guys, all I'm asking for is a little bit of help. Look, that's a trigger. As soon as the strong will chop, up, mom's exhausted. All I have to do is push her buttons, and she's going to start talking about, when I was a kid, after all I do for you, right? Look, that author, all I do for you thing is manipulation. You said I could be tough. You know what it is? We do that because I've done so much for you, you now owe me. Right? Some of you got that from your mom, who still does it to you. True? It's a really unhealthy thing. That's the guy version of, you know what, you better get your butt up. And, right? That's manipulation too. Better do what I say, or I'm going to be angry at you, and you don't want me to be angry. Both of those are manipulative tools. Now, they work sometimes, but they don't build a relationship, and they don't teach the child how to control himself. It's me controlling the child. I don't, my goal is not to control my children. It's to teach my kids to how to control themselves. Does that make sense? 
So anyway, so sweetie, baby, all those, when that doesn't work, that's when you're like, you know, you better get your butt up in bed. That is the Sunday morning before church voice. How many of you on, how many of you Sunday morning is the worst morning with your kids? Right on the way to church. You are going to get your shoes on. We are going to worship Jesus. Right? You're like, really? How many of you, right? It's like, really? Is this the fruit of the Spirit, Dad? How many of you are flipping people off coming into the parking lot in the morning? Right? And then you all put on your happy faces, right? You're like, my dad was just screaming at me 15 minutes on the way to church. So, look, the fear and intimidation, yelling and screaming doesn't work with a strong-willed child because they're fight-or-flight kids. When they hear that, it provokes them, and they will fight you back, or they will just shut down, right? And what they know is if I just push your button, you're going to lose it. So watch, right in between, sweetie baby, screaming and yelling is this. It's me in control of myself. That's why I used to, when we had had 1,500 kids in our home, I always disciplined them sitting down with this tone of voice, even matter of fact, because here's what I'm communicating. My yes is my yes. My no is my no. I'm not going to repeat things 14 times. I'm not going to beg you, but I'm also not going to scream at you. It is, for the men in here, I use this analogy. Men in every sphere of life respect other men who stay calm and cool under pressure. True? In the middle of a war, we don't want our platoon captain saying, Oh my gosh, they're shooting at us, right? Nobody's going to follow that guy. A good quarterback, right? At the end of the game, a good quarterback doesn't come in a huddle. No, we're down by two touchdowns. You don't know what route to run. You keep fumbling the ball. Let's go score. Nobody's following that quarterback because he's out of control. One of the reasons Tom Brady is so good, besides the fact that he does cheat occasionally, is that, just throwing that out there for the Tom Brady haters, any Tom Brady haters? Okay, now, how many Super Bowls do the um, Broncos have? Three. Brady has seven. Let's assume that he cheated in three of them. One man has more Super Bowls than your entire franchise. I'm just saying. So, am I provoking you? Okay. I am a provoking child. Good luck with Russell Wilson this year. Okay. He's going to be like Peyton Manning and come in and win us a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning won you a Super Bowl and he could barely throw the ball. Remember that? Anyway. So, I like the Broncos. But whatever. So, but they're not winning it this year. So, no, but a good quarterback comes in at the end of the fourth quarter when they're down and says, guys, we're down by two touchdowns. We're going to march down the field execute our play, score, get the ball back, and score again. I like that model for us as moms and dads, but for the dads, if you've got little kids, rather than coming in to the home at the end of the day, you know what, there are Legos all over the floor. You don't know how to listen. You don't know, right? If you, especially if you married an engineer. Any engineers in here? Because engineers and uh, people like that, they can't handle things when there's lack of order, right? So it, it throws them off. But even that, that idea of coming in at the end of the day and taking a knee, it's a really cool thing. Now, if you have teenagers, it'll just look weird to them. But little kids will come and like hug you, and then you can direct them. So, but throughout the presentation, I will model that voice. The even matter-of-fact voice is very, very settling to kids, and it will de-escalate. So let's do a de-escalation one uh, situation. There'll be a lot in here on calming upset kids, um, discipline, a little bit of everything, controlling ourselves. So one of my biggest triggers as a guy was when Casey would yell at my wife right? Big trigger. 
So typically what would happen is I would come in, Casey, Casey, how many times do I have to tell you, you don't yell at your mother. And I would use that as an opportunity to lay into them all the other things. You know what? You never clean your room, can't follow simple directions. How are you ever going to be successful in life? And a little subtle thing was happening at the time. I had resentment toward my son when he was young because he was difficult. And when he would do something wrong, I would use that as an excuse to just lay into him three, four, five different very personal things. And that, with a strong-willed child, they will just shut down. And, and, and some of this stuff we will laugh at, but this is not funny. If a, if a dad does that to his son especially, daughter too, but to his son, I guarantee you in the teenage years what they will do is they will shut down on purpose. Or they will become very defiant and say, you know what? You always thought I was a loser. Guess what? Now I am. What are you going to do? Because what are you going to do? Take away everything? They don't care. They'll just sit in their room. Because they can get HBO and Showtime, whatever they want. They can reroute everything, right? Your kids are very smart. But they will shut down, and I don't want that to happen. So we would keep going, and I would start to escalate things. You know what? You know what? One more word, young man. Right? You know what he said one time? Word. That's how difficult he was, right? <laughs> and then you do this one. You know what? You already lost your video games for one week. You want to make it two? And a strong will child is going to be like, let's just make it four. They'll call your bluff. True? Because here's what they know. You need me to play video games. Because if I'm not playing, you have no idea what to do with me. True? <laughs> they kind of have us there. And so I would notice that in the moment, like sometimes his face would be so red. Like you're probably like your little guy, right? He goes from here to here and his face is red and you can read it. And I would see it and I knew he was gone emotionally. But I would keep, you know, keep it up, keep it up. Good job, good job, Casey. Nice job yelling. Like I got really angry. And so I would provoke him and he would ask, it would escalate so badly. He would end up saying something really awful to me. Then I would feel justified. Then I walked downstairs with my, my wife. Did you hear what your son just said to me? But the truth is I provoked him. And here's what was happening. There's no blame or guilt in anything that we do. But I do like things to sting sometimes so that we're provoked to change ourselves. What I was really telling my son and communicating to him in the moment was this. I need you to behave because if you don't behave and do exactly what I say, I'm not sure I can behave and you do not want to see me angry. That's what I was telling him. True? Right? I was dependent on him. If you don't do exactly what I say, I'm not sure I can handle it. And so where I want to get and where we're going to go in a minute is for me to communicate this. When your world is out of control, mine's not. I can handle you at your worst. See, that's when the kids will come to you because they know. See, a lot of our times, look, I know I, 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 I not twist things around, but I see it from a different angle. I know many of your kids lie. How many of you have kids that lie? I promise you, most of the time, it is not an integrity issue. We always get, it's an integrity issue. A lot of times, it's a shame impulse. Some of your kids are in trouble all the time. They feel like bad kids. So they just don't want to admit anymore that they did something wrong because they're just going to get in trouble. Because our reflex tends to be, now you're in trouble. Why would I come talk to you? Or if every time they do come tell us the truth, we re react with, oh. right? And our reaction, what they learn is, it's just easier 
not to tell you the truth because I don't like the way you re- Does that make sense at all? Or here's another one. There's a mom last night in Texas. She was like, well, I have my son do this thing. And then before he goes upstairs, he's supposed to say, mom, I'm all done. I'm going upstairs. He's a teenager. I'm like, that's awkward. No, what teenage boy is like, mother, I'm done. I'm going up. I was like, he's just going upstairs. Like, you're... Sometimes I think we create some of the power struggles that don't need to exist because we're so on them all the time. Does that make sense at all? Not blaming us. I'm just saying there's some things we do that trigger that. So here's a different way to handle that situation. Casey's yelling at my wife. Two quick things. Before I discipline, I like to de-escalate the situation. Because when a child is upset and I'm upset, nothing good happens. And the way to de-escalate, here's a good phrase. Motion changes emotion. Motion or movement is a tool that I use to help calm an upset child. And here's partly why. Talking doesn't usually work, right? It usually, lots of words make people more upset. By the way, watch, um, this is a little aside. How many of you have kids that are sometimes a little bit of perfectionists? Like, here's the example. A kid comes in, little boy, and he makes a paper airplane, and he flies it. And it doesn't fly right. And now he's like, stupid airplane, dumb, I'm dumb, airplane's dumb. And if you have those kids. So what every normal good parent does, oh, honey, that was a good airplane. That's the worst thing, right? Because you know what he's going to say? Duh, if it was a good airplane, it would have flown, right? And so watch, this is a little bit different sounding. But I, I like intensity. When kids are really intense, I don't want negative intensity. You know what? If you would have made it better, it would have flown better. Duh. Like, I'm not going to do that. I would rather go and say, of course you're frustrated. Spent time making that airplane, didn't fly right. If I were you, in fact, that's a great phrase. If I were you, I'd be frustrated too. How many of you have ever been really upset or frustrated because of something someone did to you? Moms, and then you went and you told your best friend, and she's like, well, I don't know why you're upset about that. You're like, you're not my best friend anymore. <laughs> what did you want to hear? You know what? If I were you, I'd be really upset too. And then it's like better. But it's, we do it to our kids what we as men do to our wives. Oh, honey, there's no need to be upset. You're just overreacting, right? Wives, don't you love that? I'm kidding, you don't. Because here's what's really happening. Here's what you should say to your husband. Hey, hubby, I know that you're uncomfortable with my emotions because you're immature. (laughs) That's what it is, is it not, men? We're uncomfortable. Our wife gets upset. Part of it is we're fixers. And we have no idea how to fix you because you're an enigma. We We barely know what to do with you when everything's right, but when you're upset, we are clueless. Is that not true, men? It freaks us out. So the first thing we do is like, there's no need to be upset. Everything's okay. And it's clearly not okay. And so I would, so men, here's an easy one with your wife. Of course you're frustrated. Do you need me to do anything? She's like, and then wives say, no, please don't say a word. Hug me and shut up and everything will be fine. True? You just don't want to be fixed. Do you know how liberating it is in life to not have to control the behavior of another human being? It's not fun. That's partly why Jesus said, before you take the speck out of your neighbor's eye, first deal with the log in your own eye. I read that as, you will be so busy 
working on your own issues, you will never have an opportunity to look at someone else's because if you truly look inside, you will find lots and lots of junk and it will never stop. I'm 56 and every time I think a place like, yeah, I'm doing all right, I'm like, oop, nope, there's more. And so it's liberating when my wife is having a bad day to say, yeah, of course, you're married to me. Of course you're having a bad day, right? It should happen, right? I'm in intense for No. Do you need anything? If you want to talk, I would love to listen, preferably at halftime, but I would love to listen, right? But I don't have to fix her bad mood or whatever mood. That is very liberating because I can't fix it and she doesn't want to be fixed. And same with my mood and, and her, right? It works both ways. So in that case, I love it. I'd be frustrated too. Now watch what I didn't say. If I were you, I'd punch a hole in the wall and hit your sister. I didn't say that. I just said you should be frustrated. And then I'll add, so what do you want to do now? What are we going to do? Because here's what I found. That's a great phrase uh, for, you as, for us as parents. Here's what I have found. Instead of telling them what to do, here's what I found. When I get really frustrated, if I just work on it right then, I mess it up all the time. But if I walk away from it for a few minutes and then come back, way better. So you want to go outside and play catch. You want to go build with some Legos first. And then I give them something to do and a little bit of time. Does that make sense at all? So de-escalating the motion changes emotion. One other thing. I'm not a big fan of talking to kids about their emotions all the time. Honey, do you want to identify your emotions? It's weird, right? Wives, if you're having a bad day, do you want your husband? Honey, do you want to identify your emotions? You'd be like, yeah, anger and resentment toward you for asking that, right? Like it's not, I don't need the child, because here's what they always say. I don't know. Look, I'm the adult. If you're, my child's melting down, I'm pretty clear they're angry, frustrated, or they're hungry, right? Those are pretty much cover. I don't need to ask that question. And so I don't talk a lot. Uh, uh, when kids are upset, I'd like to give code words. I'll come back to that. So here's another way, and there are tons of ways to do it. I walk in the room. Casey's yelling at my wife. Hey, Case, I can tell you're frustrated. Listen, I'm going to go outside. Got a football because I like nonverbals. When you're ready, if you want to come outside and play catch, love to help you with whatever you're struggling with. Hey, Case, know you're, know you're upset. Listen, I'm going to dump the Legos out in the living room. When you're ready, if you want to come in and build with me, I'll help you out with whatever you're struggling with. Now, can't always go outside with your kids. Mom, dad, you might be cooking in the kitchen. You've got four kids, and one of them's upset. And so you can't take time out all the time. But you could say, oh, man, I'd be frustrated too. Hey, could you do me a favor? Go in the pantry, get the spaghetti sauce. Could you get that top off for me? I like when kids are upset, they feel out of control. I like to give them something they feel in control of in that moment rather than, you just need to calm down right now, young man. That never works because I'm yelling at them to calm down. If they're smart, they're going to be like, oh, like you are right now, <laughs> right? It's, I don't know. If I were to yell at you, calm down, I don't really know how to calm down. But I know how to take the, jar, jar, uh, uh, the lid off the jar. I know how to color. I know how to build with Legos. I can play catch. I can do something else. Here's why I like it. I have not addressed his defiance, disrespect toward his mother yet. Not yet. Why? Because everybody's still upset. I'm still fuming a little bit. I acknowledge that he's frustrated, and then there's an invitation. 
Come play catch. Build with some Legos. I like this phrase, when you're ready. Now, never use that phrase like this. Hey, son, when you're ready, get your shoes on. We need to go. Never then, because it's not going to happen. By the way, for your younger kids, if you want to get them moving, make it a challenge. Strong-willed kids are very bright kids. They don't want to do things the normal way, because that's boring. They want to come down uh, the stairs with their shoes on the opposite foot. Why? Because there's a greater chance they could trip and fall and crack their heads open. That's much more interesting because that stimulates their brain. Doing chores backwards, having a time limit, right? By the way, waking kids up in the morning, little kids, this would be, for, not for the older kids so much, but little kids. Tomorrow morning, try this if kids don't like school. Hey, guess where I hid your breakfast this morning? Outside in the obstacle course. Bet you can't find it. Because I love uh, kids, little kids, to have an obstacle course outside that they have to crawl under, crawl over, climb, swing on things. For those of you with sensory kids, they're always seeking sensory pressure. Awesome way for them to work that out. But if you woke them up, bet you can't find it outside. Even if you just take some mac and cheese and just literally throw it in the lawn. <laughs> Strong-willed child. How many of you have kids that would love to wake up like that and go eat? And here's the beautiful part. Your strong-willed child is outside eating by himself happy as a clam with the chipmunks, and you and your compliant children are inside having a beautiful breakfast <laughs> without... Look, that is not... I'm a very practical person. What? It's not really meant to be funny. That's practical, right? And you know who else is really happy? The strong-willed child, because he's not listening to your irritating voice in the morning, reminding him to do 8,000 things, hide his clothes out there. Put his tooth, I don't care, live outside. We'd all appreciate it, right? And they would be happy, but there's nothing. Look, I, I would encourage you, don't be afraid to do some weird things with a strong-willed child. They would love to eat outside in the morning. Why not? Well, we want to have uh, every meal together as a family. Why? It's horrible, right? Is it not? Jacob, sit, sit, Jacob, sit at the table we are going to enjoy dinner together. <laughs> Apparently you're not, right? And all the men are like, well, when we were kids, we sat still. Yes, you know why? Because when we got home from school in the afternoon, we were outside playing, true? And we played a, a game called kill the guy with the ball. Anybody remember that game? You threw a ball up and five of your friends pounded the crap out of you for three hours. By the time we came in for dinner, we were exhausted and starving. So we sat still. Your kids are coming in from sitting all day and then sitting all afternoon playing video games, right? It's a different, you can't compare to our childhood, right? It, it, I'd encourage you, not, well, when I was a kid, it just makes you sound old anyway. It's different. Some things were better, some things were, were worse, right? It's just different. But I would encourage you to wake your kids up tomorrow with some kind of treasure hunt if they're little. Because your kids love problem solving, they like a challenge, and it gets them moving rather than, okay, time for school. Well, they hate, how many of your kids, they don't like school? It's like, not motivating, mom. <laughs> Aren't you ready for school? No, because I'm going to get in trouble all the time. I don't get along with any of the kids my own age, and it's boring. So I wake them up with a treasure hunt. So, anyway, so... When you're ready, here's what it does. How many of you are by nature more of a compliant rule-following person? 
oh, you guys are going to struggle with this. Because when someone asks this lovely row of nice uh, moms, to, when they ask you to do something, your natural instinct is, yes, okay, I'll do whatever you say, right? And then what happens if you're like that, you grow up and marry a controlling man because you didn't speak up for yourself. And that, I'm kidding. Two out of three of you did. Statistically speaking, that's what happens. Is that not true? It's what's true, right? I'm not, I don't want to naturally, I don't want a kid who's complying all the time. I want a kid who pushes sometimes. We'll get to that later, how advantageous that is. But I don't want a kid that grows up and becomes resentful later because how many, look, there are some of you in here, the church and all your friends always ask you to do things like be on the church committee. Why? Because they know you can't say no. And then you sign up for stuff and you're like, I don't even like those people, right? And then you beat yourself up. True? It's true. So when you're ready, okay, I'm going to do an example on first-time obedience later. And you won't, may not like it, but it'll really help you and not have all these uh, struggles. But anyway, when, let me do this one and I'll get back to my story. So let's say I have um, two daughters, right? And let's say, I'm just making this up. Let's just say you're the mean one, okay, in this situation. I know you're not, but I'm just using that situation. Are you okay if I use you as an example? You're staring at me with like a little bit of a death stare. Okay. I'm just jealous of your hair, dude. Okay. So I've got my provoking son and daughter. You're the provoking one. You say something mean to your sister. I come in and say, I want an apology right now. And I guarantee a strong will tells me like, no. If you don't give me an apology right now to your sister, you're going to lose everything you own. And here's what strong will child is going to say. Fine. Sorry, stupid sister. True? <laughs> Isn't that what you got? And some of you are going to be like, check mark. It's close enough to an apology. And I'll throw this out there with a strong-willed child. You're going to have to grade on a curve. You are. Because they're not going to do things always the right way. Okay? So, but what if I walked up to my son and said, hey, I know that when you're ready, you know the right thing to do. And then I walk away and drink. Because this is, I'm kidding. I'm not going to drink. <laughs> but this is really hard. It's hard. Because now I'm not controlling it. Because here's what I want. You know, it's really important in life that you learn to apologize, and you said something mean to your sister, uh, 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 they don't care. But I walked up and said, I know that you're capable when, when you're ready, and I walk away. Now, here's the hard part. He's not going to apologize right now. You're going to go to bed lying in bed and talk to your spouse saying, are we raising a sociopath? It's not that hard. All I asked him to do is apologize. But tomorrow morning he gets up, does something thoughtful for his sister, as an act of contrition. And here's your appropriate response. Nice job, my friend. Shows me you're growing up. And that's it. But he didn't use the words, I'm sorry. You know why? Because you want it too badly. And you're rigid and you're a freak. So stop, right? <laughs> I got, is that not true? How many, of you are, how many of you have control issues and you're too rigid? You're, uh, I didn't mean to pick on you. But no, that's what happens. But see, when I give the child space, they often do what they're supposed to do. But while, I, see, let's use this example. Say you to ask your child to do something or he's working on something. And if you give that strong-willed child um, some space, they're stove touchers, right? They like to touch the hot stove. They want to figure it out themselves. 
And as long as they're in the room and they're doing it themselves, they're okay. As soon as mom or dad walks in and says, oh, honey, let me show you how to do that, I'm out. But it would be so much easier. Don't care. True? They want to figure it out themselves, even if it's harder. How many of your kids will take a consequence? Even if they just did what you said, it would have been easier. They'll take the consequence. Because what they value more than compliance and all their stuff is that freedom to do it the way that I wanted. And you're going to continually run up against the fact that you are the authority figure. right? And there's a, there's a balance there because it can't be like, you know what's wrong? We'll talk. Do whatever you want. Do, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, and we're going to get to that in a minute. I'll, I'll do that after this example of giving them ownership. But the, but the um, when you're ready phrase gives my son in that moment a little bit of control over how he does it rather than you need to get outside. We're going to talk about your behavior right now. Always escalates. So now I go outside. I'm tossing the football up in the air or I'm dumping the Legos out. When my son comes into the room, what I know is he has humbled himself because he's coming to me and he knows he just yelled at his mother and you can't do that. So I'm not waiting like this. About time you came out. I want to. Look, you can think all those things. You can think murderous thoughts towards your children, which some of you do at times. True? Snuff them out. Nobody will miss them. You can think. You can think the thought, just don't act on it, okay? And that's what forgiveness is for. No, well, you know, look, here's the thing. I don't want people to think like, oh, when I became calm, I don't have emotions anymore. No, I still get angry. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. I'm scared of their future. All those things are running through my brain and my heart, but I can't act out of them. Because if I act on those emotions, it always escalates and I get personal. And when I get personal, that's when kids get wounded. That's when they shut down. And that's when they start to get really defined. Does that make sense? So I can think it all day long. Like I'm not out there like I'm loving my son. Can't wait till he gets out. I'm like, no, I want to strangle him. I want to take him by the neck and put him up by a wall and say, don't ever do that to your mother again. But the strong-willed child will be like, you can choke me to death and I'll speak to you while I'm dead. Right? They will. That's, your daughter would negotiate with you. Like, Dad, how many seconds are you going to go? I bet I could stay up here for a minute. So it's provoking. So when he comes out, we play catch for a minute. Hey, go long. I'm going to act like I'm Russell Wilson and choke in the fourth quarter. Okay? I'm just kidding. Russell Wilson's awesome. Your offensive coordinator needs some help and something. They've got to come up with a different game plan. So, or if I'm building with Legos, hey, let's make that spaceship. After I'm calm, after he's calm, now I can discipline. Here's some good language. Instead of, what were you thinking, puts him on the defensive. Because what's their answer supposed to be? Uh, I'm thinking that I'm a bad kid, and I like losing all my stuff, and I'm going to get punished. There's no answer. So I like this language. Hey, Case, I know that you know yelling at your mother, hitting your sister, stealing. I know that you know that what you did was wrong because he knows it's wrong. Look, your kids know from age two or three that what they're doing is wrong. That's why they try to get away with it, right? It's not like, oh, I didn't know that that was wrong. They know it. I know that you know that's wrong. I also know 
that you know when you yell at your mom, hit your sister, steal, lie, I know that you know when you do that, you get dire consequences. So I'm curious. I really like the I'm curious phrase. Really good to use with teenagers, by the way, and with your spouse. So I'm curious. No, it's really good to use with your spouse because rather than like, what were you thinking? Why were you doing that kind of, that sharp phrase, people get defensive with it. It's, look, political opponent. Hey, I'm curious. Rather than like, why do you believe that? Why are you voting for them? It's, I'm curious. Because in my worldview, I see it like this, and I'm curious, you see it differently, and I'm curious. What in your experience leads you to believe that? See, that opens up a conversation, right? Even if, if you're talking to people, and, and I don't know if everybody's in here is with the church, but if you're talking to uh, people outside the church just saying like, I don't know why you're an atheist, or why, but saying like, hey, something probably happened in your past, and I'm curious what happened. And what you're going to find with those, probably most of them is, they got hurt by someone in the church. And then they, right? And so now I can have a conversation versus that defensiveness. So the I'm curious tone is case, you know it's wrong and you know it hurts you. So I'm curious, what would lead you to do that? What's going on? I want to problem solve with kids. There's usually, isn't it true that when you're having a bad day and you're in a bad mood, something's usually causing that, right? And you don't want your spouse being like, why are you in such a bad mood today? And you're like, well, that's helpful. Maybe it's you, right? Like it, you want your, you'd want your spouse to say, hey, that doesn't sound like you. Sounds like something else is going on. I'm curious, something happened today. Does that make sense? You're not excusing the behavior at all. What I would usually find out with Casey is something happened at school and he didn't like school and then he came home and he was tired and then my wife would ask him, like, how was school today? By the way, don't ask your kids how their school day was if they don't like school. Why would you ask that? Hey, how was your day at that place where you don't have any friends and you're in trouble all the time? <laughs> and you're bored to death. Right? Like, what, what are they going to say? It's great, Mom. Or don't ask your teenager, middle schooler, hey, do you have any homework? Nope, did it all in study hall. You just made them lie to you. You know they have homework and you don't want to do it, right? And they just want to stay up till 11 o'clock at night and do it after you go to bed. So what I would find out is he was frustrated. So now I, here's what I get to. So Case, what you're telling me is you yell at your mom when you come home tired and frustrated at school. Okay, so why don't I spend some time teaching you how to deal with your frustration so that every day you don't come home and unload on mom and lose all your, toy, all your video games and everything that you love? But I got to that. Does that make sense at all? I'm starting to teach there. Let's do a quick one on um, a couple of defiance and disrespect. So Casey's about 12. He comes at me with that tone. You know that tone, right? You have every right as a parent to say, you're not going to talk to me like that. To your room for the rest of your life. Because that's basically what we do. Go to your room. By the way, in the previous example, let me, I, I want to point this out. I forgot to say it. Typically what we do is when our kids misbehave, go to your room. It's okay to do at first, but I'm not a big fan of it for this reason. The strong-willed child, what they begin to identify with is, you're always sending me away from you. I'm the only one up in my room, and now everybody else is downstairs. I'm the black sheep in the family, and it reinforces that. When I invited Casey out to play catch with me, to build Legos with me, I'm inviting him to be with me. And the model for that, I think, is how God handles discipline with us. 
And I'd encourage you, um, really examine how you view God. Because some of us, I had a dad who was very angry and overbearing, so I always associated God with an angry, unhappy person who was never happy with me. Right? It's very normal. And so you will parent that way. I think when we're struggling, God doesn't say, you know what? Go away from me, figure your stuff out, and then come back. I think what he says is, oh, you're struggling. Come to me, and I will help you. All the men in here, and I appreciate you coming out because you're really important in the home. This is what I know about men. We want respect. More than anything else, we want respect, right? Mommies want love. We want respect. But beyond respect, you know what it is? We want to impart our wisdom to our kids for this primary reason, because I don't want you to grow up and make the same mistakes I made. Is that not true for most of us as men? I don't want you, I, I don't want you doing the same thing because I know how hard life is. If you don't learn, you're going to have a rough road ahead of you. And you have, we have noble goals as men. We just tend to sabotage things because we get so wound up and then we take that harsh route and then we end up without a relationship with our child. Does that make sense? And I encourage us not to do that. But our goals are, um, our, our, our goals are very norm, uh, uh, noble with that. So when I'm, saying, when I'm taking this approach with my son, look, it's going to sound like weakness to many of you. When do you get just to ream him? I'll do that in a minute. That's easy for me. That's natural. But when I'm inviting him outside, what I'm teaching him is when your world's out of control, I can deal with it. When something's going on, come to me because I have wisdom to help you. So he comes at me with that tone. One day I stepped back because I learned if I stepped backwards, it helped me calm down because for a while I was getting where I was getting up close to him and saying, you're not, and I got close to poking him in the chest and I was realizing one day he's going to be a few inches taller than me and that wasn't going to work that well. So I stepped back and I said, Case, here's what I've noticed. The last 63 times you have used that tone with me, you were either anxious, frustrated, or hungry. Those were always his three triggers, and to this day, those are his three triggers. So when we're on the road, I'm always mapping out. Where are we going to eat? When are we getting food? Because I don't want road rage on an 11-hour drive today. So anyway, he's out there smiling and smirking because he knows that that's true. <laughs> Do what? Very, yeah. He's already, he was taking some of the pizza because we ate at 5.30 in town. And he, I, he knows he's going to get hungry later. And I was like, when we get there, just steal a pizza. Take a pizza because I don't want you angry at 9.30 at night tonight, right? Like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm like, too bad. You should have stolen the pizza from the church. They won't mind. So <laughs> I didn't actually say steal the pizza, kind of, but not really. I knew they were church people, and I'd say, go find the people pleasers, and they'll give you their pizza, right? <laughs> it's true, isn't it? I don't need anything. <laughs> okay. That's awful. So, so let me finish. So he's coming at me. I say, Case, you've got two options. Two options, son. You may continue to talk to me like that if you want. Why? Because he can't. You can duct tape their mouth. They'll still figure out a way to do it. But Case, every time you talk to me like that, when you do that, you just lose all your stuff. When I discipline, I take the energy out of it. Because if you ramp it up, they'll just come back with more. Look, it's just not going to work. This is just how I roll in the home. It's very low key. 
By the way, little twist on that sometimes with a teenager or younger one might be um, to come up beside them and say, um, you know what, I can see where you're going with this. Not a good idea tonight. I like that. It's very low key. You know what? I, I've done this one. I hope you're not offended by it. Hey, Case, I think I saw you flip me off in your brain. <laughs> How many of you get that? Not going to work. You could do that, couldn't you? You've got a little bit of a mischievous thing, just like your mom. You have her smile. You two are trouble together. I'm kidding, but not really. <laughs> they are. You guys have a mischievous thing, but it's also very sweet, which allows you to get away with stuff because you've got this really nice smile, so you can get away. I did that in high school all the time because I would just smile and I was quiet. I got away with all kinds of stuff. Don't get away with stuff. Listen to your mother. But anyway, he knows how to work it, doesn't he? Absolutely. So it's a great question. Look, if you were a stock, I would buy stock in both of you because you have a coolness too. You're just sitting there like analyzing everything and you're like, hmm, whatever. Like you're very bright in a different way. You both have like a different brightness. But I would invest in you if you were a stock, if you know what that is. And you may like go down for a little while like the market is now, but long-term, man, you're going to kill it. You guys are good kids. You guys are really good kids. So how'd you get them to come to a parenting workshop and sit up front? I would be so angry at my mom for doing that. Make sure that you extract something on the way home. If anything's open for ice cream or whatever, we will join you for that. So, because I love ice cream. Okay. So Case, you can continue to do that if you want. It's not going to end well. But if you want to grab some chips, I'll grab some salsa. I'll meet you out on the deck. I'll help you with whatever's going on. I like space. I like the movement. I love chips and salsa. Why? You never see two people eating chips and salsa yelling at each other. True? <laughs> Throwing a couple margaritas, everybody's happy. It changes the, look, it changes from, you know what? We need to have a talk about your attitude right now, young man. What attitude? That attitude. And then it always escalates. Instead of moving, have a couple go-to things. Like even if it's, um, look, another one would be coming in and saying, hey, this isn't going well right now. I gotta run. I gotta run up to the uh, store and grab a couple things. You want to come with me? Because walking, because driving alongside of each other, you don't even have to have a talk. It's just calming. So, um, I encourage you to do it that way. Um, let me do this example really quickly. I'd encourage you for the next few days observe your kids, observe them, watch what they do. Because some of you have little kids. Do any of you have kids who are always pushing up against things? Right? Any of you have kids that are, are always looking for sensory pressure, hiding under things? Okay. So we would have these kids come to our house. Uh, many of them would come in this uh, kitchen or living room. They take the cushions off the sofa and then they lie down on the hard part of the sofa. If you have those kids, and my first thought was like, "You're weird. You're really weird." But what I determined was, found out was, they like the sensory pressure. It feels really good on their body. So three quick things we got from that: sleep issues. Some of your kids may sleep better if you put them in a sleeping bag. They love us. Do you guys do that? You put other people's children in sleeping bags? Okay. Yep. Heavy stuff. Sometimes shove them in a closet. Don't tell anyone you're doing that. Yeah, no, they love, Casey, when he was little, if we traveled, 
We'd put him in a closet. He loved the confined space, and then I didn't have to pay for a separate bedroom either. Um, no, it's very calming. Uh, doing schoolwork, homework. Some kids, instead of doing, um, okay, sit down at the kitchen table, I'm going to walk around behind you and just say, you know what, if you would just focus, you would be done in 45 minutes instead of it taking three hours, because that's not motivated. Mating. I will put a blanket over the kitchen table. We now have a fort. Forts are fun when you're a kid. So go underneath your fort, underneath the table, and do it underneath the table. While it's dark under there, stimulate the brain, give them a flashlight or matches, whichever one you prefer, <laughs> right? You'd love that, right? And then they can eat the mac and cheese or chicken nuggets that fell off the floor, fall off the table from the night before, because that's, how many of you, that's all you fix for your kids anyway? Mac and cheese and chicken nuggets. So, but they do it in a different way. And then at school, ask the teachers, don't be afraid to say, Hey, my son, my daughter does a better job when they're in confined spaces. Could, they try, could we try this? Could he or she take a test or do a writing assignment sitting underneath their desk as long as they don't irritate anybody else? I like doing weird stuff with these kids because they're different and they learn differently. And then the final one was calming routine for those kids. We had a one-word code word. When kids were freaking out in my house, I'd say, sofa, and their job was to go in the living room, take the cushions, throw them off the sofa because I knew they weren't going to place them down nicely, right? They were gonna throw them. Their job was to lie down on the so hard part of the sofa. I would go in, put the cushions on top of them, and then I would sit on top of the cushions. And it was instantly calming for three reasons. Sensory pressure, it was weird, and no eye contact. I don't give kids eye contact when they're upset because usually when kids are upset, they're beating themselves up because they did something wrong and they know it. For the men in here, when you get a man, when you get the dad handbook, here's what it says. You're going to take everything personally and assume that your kids are always disrespecting you. You basically become an NFL wide receiver who always feels disrespected. True? Happens all the time, right? That's our biggest thing. They're disrespecting me. I was like, he's seven. He's just being an idiot seven-year-old kid. It's not disrespect. And we always want to do that thing. Look at me. Look at me when I'm talking to you. And here's why many of your kids won't give you eye contact. Usually it's because the only time we give our kids eye contact is when? When they're in trouble. No dad comes home and says, look at me, look at me, just made a good choice, I'm proud of you. <laughs> right? Like we don't do that. But I would encourage you, the men in here, this is not being sexist and you can think it is, I don't care. The words of a man are extremely powerful. Extremely when I do phone consultations, I work a lot with, uh, I'll work with doctors. Almost every doctor I work with is a, a very accomplished man who's still trying to get his dad's approval. And he overachieves in every area of life because he never got it from his dad. If you do not give your kids your approval as a dad, they will seek for it the rest of their lives and little girls will grow up and look for it in boys that you don't want them to get it from. And boys will internalize a lot of anger. I want you to be free, very free, with, for the next week for the men in here. You can go back to doing whatever you want a week from now, but for one week, notice everything your child does well. Progress, not perfection. Hey, TJ, nice job. Usually every morning, you hit your sister three times, today only twice. It's progress, my friend, <laughs> right? And I mean that. Start picking it out. You want a great phrase, and this is for moms too, with a strong-willed child? I wish I was more like you. Because we never say that. We're too busy trying to fix and change them. You know what? I wish I was more like you. I wish I did speak up for myself more. 
I wish I had the kind of ideas that you have. I wish I saw the world in a different way. Fine, for one week, do that. I guarantee you, their behavior will change. Doesn't mean you ignore all the other stuff. It just means what we're, we fall into that trap of just fixing, fixing, fixing. Everything's wrong. What'd you do wrong now? And it's negative, 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 and then they end up shutting down. So, um, where was it? Oh, so for men, I'm asking you not to take that personally with the eye contact. The other part of it is many of your kids are very sensory. I think best, oftentimes, even during a presentation, I'll look up at that one light up there or I'll look down. I, I recall information or I'll close my eyes like I just did. I recall information better when I'm not looking someone in the eyes all the time. Now, if you and I were going out to dinner, I give you eye contact until you start yelling at me and then I would shut down. But, right? So just rel relax with some of this stuff, okay? Don't, try not to take it so personally. I'm the grown adult, right? I expect kids to do certain things. Why? Because they're kids. Anyway, so um, let's do this example on ownership. I'll do one on anxiety. We'll take a quick little break. At least let you stand, go to the bathroom, and then um, we'll do a, a few other things. Let me do the ownership thing, if you don't mind. So ownership example. Um, here's the idea. I do not want to give kids control of my home or my classroom. I want to give them something we call ownership. Think about this. When you and I were kids, we had a lot of ownership of our lives. All the guys in here, we got home from school 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We were gone for two or three hours at a time. Summertime, we didn't even see our parents till dinner time. True? And when we came home, our mommies didn't say, what did you guys do today? Where did you go? Did you have fun? Our parents didn't ask us that. Partly they were drinking a lot, but it was also, some of us did have that. No, you know what it was? There was a certain amount of respect. I don't need to micromanage you. If you were out all day and you didn't have fun, that's on you, right? There was a they weren't like, I hope you had fun. Did you have fun? I'll make you have fun, right? We, we were out, how old? You, some of you, I'm older than everybody in here. Maybe not you. We're about the same. But, but when we were kids, we did lots of mischievous stuff, but we did stuff with no adults around. We got up and got on our bikes, and we were gone. Yes, and sometimes afterwards. And here's the thing. We made dozens of decisions a day without an adult telling us what to do. Your kids growing up today, think about it. From the time they get up in the morning till the time they go to bed, there's usually an adult telling them what to do and how to do it. We learned sports in the backyard with our buddies. We made up our own rules. We enforced it. If, we, if I got out of line, you gave me a little bit of a bloody lip, right? And we figured it out ourselves. Now, oh, my child's three. Let me put them in soccer class so they can run around in a little ball and kick each other instead of the ball, right? From a young age, we're putting kids, I'm not saying it's wrong, but there's always an adult. So you take a strong-willed child who loves to make decisions and all day after school and then at home never gets a chance to do anything on his own. That breeds a lot of fr frustration. Does that make sense at all? So I want to give kids opportunities to make decisions, but here's the key. Within my boundaries, this is not permissive parenting, do whatever you want. No. I create a big box for the strong-willed child, a large box. Here are my rules, here are my boundaries, 
Here are my expectations. They're very, very clear. But within this big box, I will give you space and space to do things differently than I would do them as long as we accomplish the same goal. Does that make sense? I'm not saying if you want to do it. Oh, no, homework's getting done. I don't care how you do it. These chores, they're going to get done. How you do it, I don't really care. Now, do I care? Yes, because I have control issues and I have a lot of anxiety. But that's my issue. And what I'm asking, if you don't want a lot of power struggles, is to expand your box a little bit. Because some of us are very rigid. And some of us just, we love our kids, right? I'm 56. I know the most efficient, effective way to do things is to do it like this. I just, how many of you know the strong-willed child is just not going to do it like this? But we keep trying to, you don't, you don't, you don't. and you do that till the day they die. They're not going to do it. So I give them a little bit of latitude. Let me give you an example, morning routine. So what's your name? Aiden, Aiden good name. So I say, Aiden, here's the deal. I'm just making this up. Let's say uh, school. We've got to leave for school. Carpool leaves or bus comes 7, 19 a.m. Every morning. Aiden, I have one goal for you every morning. In the car, on that bus, 7, 19. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you smell like. I don't care what's in your stomach. If you're smart enough to wear the clothes to bed that you're going to wear to school the next day, you can sleep in until 7.18. Roll out of bed, grab that Pop-Tart from underneath your bed because I know you hoard food up there. You can, you can run out to the bus. You don't even have to have your shoes on. And at the end of the day, if he made the bus at 7.19, here's my appropriate response. Aiden, nice job making the bus, my friend. And that's it. Now, here's what I'm thinking inside. <sighs> I hate the way it gets ready in the morning. It bothers me all morning. I want to get up early. I want to get some exercise. I want to eat blueberries and avocado. So he has good healthy fat and antioxidants so his brain's ready to learn. I want him to look nice and smell nice. I want all those things. But I guarantee if that's what you want, you're always on them, they'll do the opposite. The truth is, he can get ready in the morning by himself. If he is smart enough, who cares if he wears the same clothes to bed? Look, how many men in here basically wear the same thing every day anyway. How many days in a row, Chad? How many? What? I wore this yesterday in Texas. I wore it last night in Texas. I just put it on at the little hotel. Why would I change clothes? I'm a dude. It doesn't smell. Thank you. You're welcome. I think we're done here. I think we're done. I wear Under Armour. I don't change every day. Now, I have new stuff on. These pants, these don't get sweaty. It's a little bit warm in here tonight, so thank God I'm going home tomorrow. But chill. So if they wear that... Okay, now here's what's going to happen with many of your kids because it's going to start getting cold, right? How cold is it going to be tonight? 20. Nice. So in the morning, how many of you are going to have a strong-willed child come down in the morning in shorts? And they're not going to wear a jacket. And you're going to lie to them. Oh, honey, you have to wear long pants. You have to wear a jacket. Otherwise, you're going to catch a cold. You don't catch a cold from cold weather. You catch a cold from germs. You just lied to your child. Why? Because the real issue is, I don't want the other mothers and teachers to think that I'm a bad parent. Yes. And you just chose a power struggle 
over something that doesn't matter. If your child gets cold at the bus stop, they will steal or manipulate a jacket from another child. And then your appropriate response is, it's good thinking, my friend. That's called being resourceful. True, is it not? They're not going to die. You don't live in Canada. It's Colorado. So I'm not talking about letting a toddler go out without a jacket. Then you're a child abuser, right? But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a kid, little kid, older kid. Chill. Now, if Aiden doesn't eat breakfast in the morning, guess whose belly it affects? His. So strong-willed kids are going to give in that, or that quick. He's going he's to uh, manipulate, get some food from someone else. Why? Because he's good at influencing people. You call it manipulation, I call it influence. Another great trait. True? But maybe three months from now he comes home and he's like, Mom, my stomach hurts every day in third period. No snotty tone. You know what? I've been telling you for months to eat a breakfast. <laughs> Nobody likes to be talked to in a snotty tone. Hayden, there's a thing called breakfast. It's available every morning. Make it yourself. I promise you if you try this for the next week, it may take a little while for some things. Here's our phrase. When we step back as parents, it gives our kids space to step up and be responsible for themselves. Do you know when we lecture, that's micromanaging? Nobody likes to be micromanaged. And you know what in essence that we're telling our kids? You're not capable of doing it on your own. You need me here all the time to micromanage and tell you how to do it, when to do it, and which way to do it, because I don't really trust that you can do it by yourself. In a way, true? It's what it sounds like. What I want to tell them is, of course you can do that. You're going to stumble a little bit. Some days you don't eat breakfast. Guess what? Stomach's going to be upset. And I'm not making you special meals all the time. Now, if you have a child that requires that, by all means, do that. But I can let them eat. It's your, it's your belly. How many, kids have ever said, how many of your kids have ever said, Mom, I didn't realize that what I was putting in my stomach was so unhealthy. But after you lectured me again and showed me the food pyramid, which is all wrong anyway, I'm motivated to eat healthy. I guarantee you when you step back and you give them some space, they will follow and do what you want. But as long as you're trying to make them do it, I'm out. Is that not true? Troll your anxiety over it and start to speak those things like, I believe you're capable of doing that yourself because you are capable. Anxiety issues. How many of you have kids who struggle with anxiety of some kind? Okay, big deal. So two quick things. I'll, I'll give you the solution, and then I'll give you a quick example. Normalize it. Please start normalizing everyday life for your kids. In our society, we're making a pathology out of literally everything. Oh, you have anxiety? Do you, you should go talk to a counselor every week about your anxiety. You know what? That's going to create a really anxious kid. Now, if your child's struggling with depression, bipolar, something serious, by all means, get them help. But anxiety, a normal level, it's, in, it's normal. And I want us as adults to say, of course you're anxious. You're going to a new place. You don't know what to expect. You should be a little bit nervous. True? How many of the guys in here hate when you have to go over to someone's house for a party? Right? And then you make up an excuse like, I'm not feeling well. Right? And now it's like, now I've got to go fake and do small talk with someone I don't care about. I've got to ask you about your life, and I don't really like you or know you. I'd rather be at home watching the game. True? So I wish I was your neighbor, because I wouldn't invite you to my house, and you would invite me to yours. <laughs> and we'd both be happy. Or I'd bring food over, and we wouldn't talk. We would just watch the game. And at the end of the night, I'd go like, hey, nice night. 
And I go home and tell my wife, I like that dude. He doesn't talk much. It's awesome. True? We would be best friends, and I wouldn't know anything about you. And it would be awesome. So, look, all the guys are like, I want a friend like that, right? <laughs> Can we really not talk at all? <laughs> what are you struggling with? Uh, the Broncos. That's what I'm struggling with, okay? <laughs> I don't have any issues. <laughs> so, ugh. You know how awkward it is to lose your place and then everybody's looking at you? <laughs> what you should say is, Kirk, it's normal to feel awkward because you are awkward. And I'll say, thank you for affirming me. So normalize some of it. Normalize. Look, normalize schoolwork being boring. You know what? That assignment's not hard if you would just focus. Well, if the assignment's not hard, but it's hard for me, then I must be stupid. I'd rather say, of course you don't want to do the writing assignment. You know why? Because they're asking you to write about something you don't care about. That's hard. How many, of you, how many of you, if I gave you an assignment tonight, go home, I want you to write about the difference between um, Dostoevsky and some other Sol Solzhenitsyn or whatever, some Russian literature. You'd be like, can't do it. You know what? You're not applying yourself. <laughs> You're lazy. No, it's like I'm not interested in that. So I can acknowledge, of course it's boring. You have all these great ideas in your head, but it's hard to get it from your head down on the paper, right? So that's normal. Nothing wrong with you. I'll give you some tools to do it in a different way. And watch, I would try some things with the strong-willed kids and different, different learners. Try li letting them listen to intense music. I do all of my writing while I'm listening to really intense music. What are you guys whispering about? Do you mind me asking? For real? Like what? Like Metallica? Yeah. Yes. Look, she's like, we can't say that in church. Now everybody's going to judge us. I will go one better. My son played ice hockey, came home, and he was listening to all Metallica and all this stuff. I grew up in a home where, like, if you listened to Metallica, you were going to worship the devil and go to hell. So I tried to counter that fear, so I called my brother. I'm like, let's take Casey to a Metallica concert. We'll teach him what it's like. So we get there. We walk around the arena. People are throwing up all over the place. I was like, this is what happens when you drink too much and do drugs. Awesome life lesson, right? <laughs> then James Hetfield, the lead singer, was in rehab at the time because he used to be alcoholica, but instead, <laughs> no, they were. That's what they were name. And he was like, one day at a time. He did everything short of an altar call. It was a phenomenal night. By the way, I would encourage you as Christians to pray for people like Metallica and James Hetfield because that guy has struggled with addiction for a long, long time, and he's ha had a really horrible experience in the church. And, that has, and, and if you read some of their lyrics, they're very, very deep people. Okay? They're just, so anyway, I'm all aboard. The Black Album, you know what's a great one? The uh, live album with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. That's phenomenal, is it not? Awesome, thank you. I never really do that in church, because usually I get judged. You're not really Christian, are you? Like, darn right I am. Metallica? Yes. It's the intensity creates intensity. It's actually calming in the brain. So don't be afraid to do that in a different way. So here's uh, the other thing I, I, I tell you uh, for uh, anxiety is this or, or encourage you to do is this. Wherever your kids go, ask another adult to give your child a specific job to do. Because if you, sign your, if you come and you're like, Aiden, you want to do Taekwondo this fall? And he's like, sure, sign up. I'll sign you up now. And I come home three weeks later. Aiden, we got to go. We got to go. 
What's going to happen? Dad, you know what? My stomach's kind of upset. I, I don't feel well. Can I just can we go next week? No, no, no. Here's what we're going to do. We leave right now. We'll stop at McDonald's. We'll get a Happy Meal. Everybody will be happy. Bribery never works with these kids. So then I do this thing. You know what? I paid $135 for that class. Your little butt's going to be there. As if he's going to say, Dad, I didn't really want to go, but now that I know how much it costs you, I'm motivated. He doesn't care. So I'm going to drag him to the car. We're going to fight the whole way because I've spent all that money, and you're going to like it. And eventually he's going to say, I'm not going. How many of you get kids that do that? Right? I'm not going. Or better yet, Taekwondo's stupid. You're stupid. And now you're like, you are not going to challenge my authority, young man. And what happens? Escalates every single time. I guarantee you for many of your kids, the defiance is coming from the anxiety. Anxiety is caused by unknowns, things you can't control. Look, someone just gave Casey a whole pizza out there. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, take it from other people and give it to my son. <laughs> Seriously, thank you. Whew. Now we're going to be asleep tonight. It's going to be awesome. Don't eat all of it right now. I want some too. I'm working up a hunger right now. So, what? No, he's going to eat it all. So. <laughs> I'm not going to take it personally. I just will not feed him tomorrow. Nor will he get a paycheck. So, I know how this works. I'm in charge. So, I like to think so. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Go talk to him. If you want a negotiator, mind me do, I'll do relentless arguer one. So, um, where was, oh, so anyway, so that whole, so it's unknowns. Things you can't control cause anxiety and cause people. So when he's like, I don't want to go, it's because of all the unknowns. Am I going to get picked on? What if I'm not good at it? And the reason they will push you, you're stupid, they want to be sent to their rooms. Because when they get sent to their rooms, I'm used to that. But don't make me go to a new place. But if in that moment... I said, oh, I know what's going on. You're just anxious. You should be a little bit nervous. Normalizing it is like, oh, so there's nothing wrong? No, there's nothing wrong with you. You should be nervous. We're going to a new place. Hey, why don't we go a few minutes early? We'll talk to that Taekwondo guy. And I go in and talk to the Taekwondo guy. I'm like, hey, my son's going to be in your class. Loves helping other people. Can you give him a job to do? So I have teachers, Taekwondo. Have them give your child a job to do. Oh, TJ, listen, psych. When you come next week, I want you here five minutes early. You're going to help me rearrange the mats, set up the cones, get ready for class. You up for that? Most of your kids to other people, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. So when I come home next week, I'm like, TJ, got to go, got to go. Instead of the excuse, mom, dad, remember, Taekwondo guy needs my help. He said be there five minutes early, so we have to leave like three and a half hours early so we're not late. <laughs> the leaving early is because they're slow at processing and they want to be there early so they can kind of soak things up. Does that make sense? It's really cool. Relentless arguer. Let me just roll. I was going to take a break. Do you mind if I just go, just keep rolling? Okay. Okay, Metallica, mom. Okay, go. Okay. How old? Okay. So here's the best thing for that. Here's, uh, let me do, I'll do something related to that and then relentless arguer. I want other adults asking him to do things. If it's coming from mommy, no, right? He's going to shut down. Honey, I think it would be a really good idea. Nope, I'm out, right? So um, let's do this example. I'm just going to roll through. 
And if you need to use the bathroom, take a break, you're adults, you can do it, or just hold it. Show some self-control. Um, just kidding. All the things you get on your kids about. I don't know why you can't sit still, and all the dads in here are like, when's this going to be over? Whatever, Aiden. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> He's awesome. I love that. You just flipped me off in your brain, didn't you? With a nice smile so you can get away with it. What do you want? Okay, get out of the door. Okay, get out of the doorway. You're making me uncomfortable. See how he's doing that? Intentionally provoking. Jerk. So, we can do that now. So, um, this is mission and mentor. Motivating uh, kids internally. So, this is going to relate to those of you with slightly older kids, but for younger kids, still do the same process. Think about this. How many of you do have a more... um, kind of compliant or neurotypical child that does well in school? Any of you have, like, okay. So those kids in school every day, what are they doing? They're doing what they're good at doing. They're good at school. They're good at getting up and going to school and sitting all day and listening to someone tell them things. And then they can memorize stuff for a test. And what do they get out of that? Everybody loves them. Oh, you're such a good student. Grandparents are like, oh, all A's and B's, that's awesome. They're confident because they're good at being a kid. Good Because what do we tell kids? Two things you have to do. Good behavior, good grades. And some of our strong-willed kids are like, um, I'm 0 for 2. <laughs> True? So it's no wonder they don't feel good about themselves. I'm telling you, the root of a lot of this is they just don't feel good about themselves. And it's not, just the, it's not a self-esteem thing. It's that they feel like they don't fit in. Wherever they go, things are just hard for them. Getting along with kids their own age is often harder because they like older kids or they like little kids and animals better. So they're just fighting, they're fighting life a lot. And so all this, it comes out of them. So you have your kids who are great at school, awesome for them. Then you take many of our kids, they're not really good at school. Some of you have kids though, they go home right now, they can build a robot from scratch. They do all kinds of amazing things but they don't get grades for those things. Wait, nice job building the robot from scratch, nice skill, but you didn't do your chores and you didn't, and, and you didn't do your homework, right? So, so here's what I encourage you to do to build confidence and vision and internal motivation. Number one, make a list of your child's natural gifts, talents, and passions. What are they just naturally good at doing? It's probably something that's not related to school. Make, go deep with it. Like some of your kids, this is not funny, but they're good at arguing. They're probably also good at building with Legos. Oftentimes they can see in three dimensions. They see patterns. That's why they're uh, good at chess and checkers. They're good at arguing. Look, some of your kids tinker with things. How many of you have kids that tinker with stuff, build stuff? When they push your buttons, they're tinkering with your brain because they know exactly how to push dad's buttons, mom's buttons, They're sister's buttons. Why? Because they understand human nature. It's a fantastic skill. They just know how to use it in a negative way right now to get negative negative, um, brain stimulation, right? But if you turn that around, you know, I like to have them talk with kids and say, I know what you're doing. Just push my buttons and I want to apologize to you. This may be appropriate. Chad, I want to apologize. First seven years of your life, just push my buttons and I react all the time my issue. What I've taught you is, if you want intensity from me, you just push my buttons. But what I know about you is, you have really good insight into people. Maybe not you, but your child does. Not you. 
but your child does. I'm imagining you're a strong-willed child, so, uh, which you may have been or may not have been. But with a strong-willed child, I can point out, you see patterns in things. And you've got this big heart. Again, never toward me, but they have it. One day, instead of pushing everyone's buttons, you're going to reach inside people's hearts because you are deeply compassionate. How many of you have kids like that? Mean to you, but they'll stop for a home. They'll give all their stuff away to a homeless person. One day, you're going to learn how to use that to feel how people are hurting, and you're going to use that big heart, and you're going to help a lot of people. Give them. Look, we're at, we're at a, a church where I know you guys have to believe in this, about speaking things into people's lives, your words. So instead of speaking death all the time, like, why are you so difficult? Why do you always have to push my buttons? Like, no, I know what you're doing. And here's the positive side. And so you start speaking life into it. One day, give them a vision of who they're going to be, who they can be, not who they are right now. Because otherwise, the only thing you're left with is, you're a defiant little snot that makes my life difficult. Right? Like, we're, we're, okay, where am I going to go from there? No. You're a, or you're a misunderstood, frustrated kid who everything's hard for you. And you haven't figured it out yet because I'm guilty of putting you in this little box and expecting you to always do things the way I want to do it because I've been too rigid and that's what I'm comfortable with. Look, I, I like having that talk. Not, it's not groveling. We have been such bad parents. It's not groveling. It's an honest... You know what kids love? Authenticity of the honesty. Go home and say, hey, does it ever feel like you can never please me? They're like, yeah. So then I apologize. Like, it's not a growl. Just, yeah. You know what? I'm guilty of that. I've, done, I've been hard to please. I'm too rigid at times. And you probably feel very... Does it ever feel like you've misun... I misunderstand your motives. Yeah? I apologize. So I'm curious, what have I missed? Listen to them. These are deep kids. And when they feel understood, they will do awesome things. But it's a really cool thing. So where was I with that example? So, so make a list of their natural gifts, talents, and passions. What are they really good at doing? What do they love doing? Along with that, this. Who do they connect well with? Some of your kids are awesome with animals. Some with little kids. Some with seniors. By the way, I would, if you have a strong-willed child, especially a teenager, become friends, get to know some seniors in the church, in your neighborhood. Senior citizens are phenomenal with strong-willed kids because seniors are very grounding, right? They're very, they've lived through life, nothing phases them, and they will love on your kids. Remember we talked about giving the um, obstacle course and getting your strong-willed child outside in the morning by himself? You know another good one? Ha ask an older neighbor to give your strong-willed child a job to do at their house. Hey, can you come down and help me? Because now your strong-willed child gets out of your house away from your annoyingness. True? And you're away from their annoyingness. And the siblings are. And they're down at some old person's house. And that person's going to love on your child. And old people also don't take any crap from kids. But they don't make it personal. True? It's very, very grounding. It's a very, very healing thing. So... Who do they connect with? What do they do well? Number two, step number two, find ways for your kids to use their gifts, talents, and passions outside the home, in the community, at church, at school. Number three, accountable to another adult. We call it mission and mentor. As kids get older, they need a larger mission that's outside of themselves. That's why a lot of times middle school kids go on missions trips. Why? Because that's the age where they get, I need a larger mission outside of myself. 
Mentor another adult can speak positive things into your kid's life. Look, any of your strong-willed kids, even your two twins, the 14-year-old, I bet you if I met them, I'd come back and I'd be like, these kids are awesome. Because I don't have to live with them. I don't have to make them go to bed. I don't have to bother. Right, true? But I could also speak to them in a way that I could get through to them because I'm not their annoying parent. So other adults are really important. For thousands of years, we did this, right? You had a, uh, uh, at age 12 or 13, a boy would go and um, do a mentorship, right, with the blacksmith in town. And that guy would teach that child life. Now we don't do that. So let me give you an example. So we're at a workshop and a mom came out and she was sitting like right over here and she said, okay, during a break, she's like, I've got a 12-year-old daughter, bad attitude, won't do schoolwork. What consequence can I give to fix that? And I was like, you want me to give you a consequence that's going to change how your daughter feels about herself inside? That doesn't exist. So don't tell me all the negative stuff about your daughter because I know all the negative stuff already. Tell me what she's into. She loves soccer. And who does she connect with? Younger kids. So they're like, Mom, here's what I want you to do. Go out in your community, find a soccer coach who's coaching little kids. Go up to the coach and say, hey, got a 12-year-old daughter, loves little kids, awesome with little kids, loves soccer. She will help you. You don't have to pay her. You're overwhelmed. Could you go to my daughter and ask her for help? So the coach says, hey, Rebecca, I've heard that you're pretty awesome with little kids. You're good at soccer. Could you come out Tuesday night and help me? Because it wasn't mom or dad asking, she went. At the end of Tuesday night, after practice, she comes home happy and smiling. You know why? Because at the end of practice, 11 little girls came up and hugged her. Because little girls love the older girl, because they're always kind of cool. Coach like, come out on Saturday morning, help me. Rebecca goes out, helps. She's really good at this. At the end of the game, two different sets of parents came up to her and said, Rebecca, our daughter talks about you all the time. My daughter's struggling in school. Would you consider mentoring or tutoring her? not knowing Rebecca has not done schoolwork for years, right? <laughs> but now, watch, here's the key. Now Rebecca has a reason to care about school, not because stupid mom and dad want me to, or society and teachers, but because I want to, because I want to help these little girls. It's a, this is a good thing to write down. Discover, find out what your kids care about. I know what you care about and I care about, Good grades, good behavior. Find what they care about because that's motivating. So guess what Rebecca does? She starts doing well in school because the coach tells her, if you're going to work with my, uh, these little kids, I better not hear that you're mouthing off at your mother and I want you keeping a B average and doing your chores. And guess what she says to the coach? Sorry. Yes, ma'am. Why? Because she has something, uh, that coach has something I care about and want. Does that make sense? I'd really spend some time on that because when you get kids, look, um, some of your kids that struggle with anxiety, some of your kids that struggle with depression, other issues, one of the best antidotes is getting them doing things, giving out to other people. Volunteering at an animal shelter, working with uh, helping homeless people because when I see I have something to give, then I'm not so worried about all the stuff inside of me. It's a really powerful thing to change your child's kind of attitude. And, it, and it's, anyway, it's a cool thing, so I encourage you to do that. Relentless arguer. Let me do this one. By the way, for a seven-year-old, if I didn't do this one on the intensity, um, when kids get really upset, I want to use some intensity. Man, if I were you, I'd be frustrated too. 
You know what I do when I get frustrated? And I would encourage you to come up with something, if you can, physical. If he, if he, is he physical at all? Is he a, a sensory kid? Does he like to pull on things, push on things? Would he shovel mulch at all? Any of you have kids that like to shovel mulch and do weird stuff like that? Yeah. So give him that, to, like use that. How old is your child? All right, start his own little landscaping business because he doesn't have to charge a whole lot at three. No, but he, so you know that already of like he loves, it feels good. So as he gets older, I want to give kids physical stuff to do when they're upset because it helps. How many of us do that? When you're frustrated, you go outside and you do some yard work because it works, right? If I'm not going to murder my child, but I will go dig a hole in the ground, maybe where I'm going to bury my child, but still... <laughs> It gives me a few minutes to think about that. But let's see if there's something. You know, I like this example of, um, you know, this is for dads. And moms can do it too. But a dad who comes home at the end of the day and comes in the house, swings the door open, and usually it's like, why are the Legos on the floor? And Instead, you come home and say, guys, get downstairs. Look, I had a bad day at work. It's a bad day, traffic, I'm frustrated. Who wants to do some push-ups with me? And dad gets down and starts doing some push-ups. I guarantee you, if you have little kids, little kids will do whatever dad does. And that's bad things too. So if you're flipping people off on the way to church, they'll end up going up and doing the same thing. They do, right? You don't get to do that until you're an adult. Well, dad, you're really good at it. So, no, but it, watch what the dad just did. He came in and he just modeled, I get PO'd, I get frustrated, I have bad days, but when I do, I do my push-ups. Does that make sense? Something, let's see with your little guy if you can lead him to something really physical and it might be you doing it first because if you say hey buddy why don't you go do your things he's gonna like not gonna do it right now but if you lead him to it let's try some of that intensity with that um quick announcement and then i'll do the relentless arguer thing if you are at all interested casey just handed me this um hey casey now when I need him, he's gone. He probably took the pizza outside. No QR code? Okay. So I'm not doing a big thing on this. We have 13 programs. Um, these we have them physically, but they come as downloads. And you can see it on your handout on everything from enjoying your strong-willed child, the screens, siblings, school stuff, uh, a program for your kids to listen to, how to calm down on motivating kids. There's a dad's one. There's a mom's one. There's a, a, a sibling one. There's a marriage program one that I included in this because men won't go to marriage therapy. You know why? Because it feels like the therapist and our wives are against us. True? It's like two against one. We're already overwhelmed as men. So I wanted to put together something that you can do from home that's practical. If you are interested in this, um, if you go on our website, it's usually uh, almost $200 to get. We don't come here often. Um, and so we're doing it tonight. You get all 13 programs. Casey said $99. Do not do, use the QR code. We used this last night in Dallas. We charged them more. So if you like this a lot and you want to donate a little bit and spend more, use the QR code. And then I'll make a little bit more money, but you're paying Dallas prices. And I hate the Cowboys, so we made them pay more. So, but. All right. I, I'm equal opportunity hater of teams. Um, but anyway, we're doing everything for 99. If you're interested, you can see Casey. He will help you with that. I try to, I always want people to have an investment because when you have an investment, then you tend to work at things a little bit more. 
And, um, and if you're interested, even two weeks from now or two months from now, email the, uh, our emails at the bottom of the handout or go on the website, email Casey and said, hey, I met you here in Colorado and he'll give you the better deal. Just say, I don't like the Cowboys either and we will give you the Cowboy hating uh, deal. If you do like the Cowboys, you're paying 149. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, so relentless arguer. Um, so I come home, let me use you again, Aiden. I come home and uh, this is back in the day when there were more video game stores, but it still applies. And Aiden's on me right now like, dad, you've got to take me to the store. You got to, I, I got to get that new video game. I got a new thing. And I'm like, not going to happen today. I don't do a lot of explaining. You know, Aiden, you already have these video games and lots of toys that you don't even play with. As if he's going to be just like, you know what, Red? So right. I just need to be grateful. Right? This is not going to happen. Right? You know what? Do that to your mom sometime. It will freak her out. Like, be so good one day and just be like, of course, Mom. Of course I want to do that for you. For real, I'm giving you a challenge. Your mom, I don't know your mom, but moms work really hard. This is for both of you. Don't do it all the time because that would be weird. But I want you to, no, I want you to one night this coming week to do something really nice for your mom, right? Like say it's evening, whatever. Do you guys eat ice cream or anything at home? One night I want you to bring your mom ice cream. And I want you to practice, sit in chair and just be like, Aiden, it's like, what? Can you bring me a bowl of ice cream? And I want you to say, of course, mom, because you do so much for us. Now the next night, don't do anything for it all. Because you're a normal kid, right? I'm kidding. No, but I want you to do, do that. That is a way of honoring your mom, and that will, that will yield really good things in your life. But anyway, so um, he's like, you got to take me. I'm like, not going to happen. So I walk away. What's going to happen? Your daughter's going to follow you, right? And you walk away. You go upstairs. You go to your bedroom, double lock the door, and she goes outside and climbs up through the second floor window and comes in. Okay. That's just a bad choice. I'm kidding. That's awesome, but horrible. Okay. You have a strong-willed child. You need space. Put her out in the pasture. Can't she get her own little tent? Okay. Oh, yeah. Good. Can't she live in her own tent? Like, yes, I love that. Child abandonment. Okay. <laughs> so... So you walk away, they come in. So when they come after you, here's the language that I would like to use, something like this. When Aiden comes after me, I say, oh, Aiden, listen, I've seen this scene unfold in our home like 83 times this month. Here's what happens. I come home from work, you want something, you demand something from me. You know, I don't do demanding, but you really want it and you keep going. I walk away, you follow me. I go upstairs, you follow me. And you keep going. Why? One, because you're persistent, which is an amazing quality that will serve you well in life. But right now, it's going to lead to tears. So what happens is you're persistent and you end up badgering me. And I keep saying no. And you get upset and disappointed, which is normal. But when you do, you end up calling me names. And when you call me names, you not only don't get to go to the store and get something new, you lose all your other stuff and you're going to end up in tears. That's what happens every time. Isn't that true? I'm reading I'm giving wisdom. Here's what's about to happen, Aiden. You're going to come after me and argue and argue, and you're not going to get what you want. So here's another idea. 
You do have a big heart. You are entrepreneurial. I'm going to go downstairs and get started on dinner. If you want to come downstairs, I'll brainstorm three different ways. We're going to earn some money. If you do that and earn the money on Saturday, I'll take you to the store and you can use your own money to get that. I'm showing him a rather than why can't you ever take no for an answer? Why do you always have to? Let's use that to our advantage. But start reading the situation. Honey, you can argue with me. I love the fact, I love that you're assertive, which is a great quality for a woman to have. So she doesn't know, grow up and marry a controlling man like the people pleasers over here did. You weren't here for that. You weren't here for that. <laughs> See, he's trying to control the situation right now. <laughs> now he's going to turn it around on us, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was good for a moment, was I? We, we were tight, and then it fell apart. Yeah, whatever. So, so I would have, like, I love that you're assertive. You know what you want in life. It's half of life is knowing what you want. And I like that you're persistent. Awesome quality. How you do it is not working. So let me show you a different way. Because if you, we had this little girl named Morgan came to our house with camps, and she loved um, cranberry juice. And she'd always say, you have to give me cranberry juice. I was like, I don't do anything. If you demand it from me, you have zero chance. I know, but my daddy gives me whatever I want. I was like, I'm not your daddy, right? You got beautiful brown eyes, but I'm not your daddy. So if you want to learn how to ask me nicely, if you want to learn, you got a 50-50 shot. But as long as you're demanding, threatening me, it's 0%. And I would be patient and show her a different way. I role play a little bit, I, but I would, I would try not to get frustrated. I know it's frustrating, but I try not to get so frustrated. I'd be like, I know what you're going for, right? Teenagers, you're 14-year-olds. I know what you want right now. The way that you're doing it, it's, it's not going to work. So why don't you guys think about it, think about a different way to handle it, and then come back to me. I'm slowing life down a little bit rather than I can't believe that you do it. Anyway, does that make sense? Yes. Okay, the four-year-old, um, what I would do with a four-year-old is I'd get, still kind of do, I'd still use the same tone. I would even use the same words, even though they can't cognitively get it all. But it's, look, half of this or more is for you, right? It's in how we're doing it. Because it's that tone of like, I'm, like with tantrums, with little ones, sit down in the tantrum. Next time he's throwing a tantrum, literally sit down and watch and say, that's an awesome tantrum. I have two rules in my home. One is we do everything with excellence. So if you're going to throw a tantrum, I want a good one. Like if you were in the Olympics, that would be like a 9.6. It's a really good tantrum. Now watch, because that can also be provoking them to anger. But I kind of like it. My second rule is your tantrums accomplish nothing. See, your behavior does not determine or change my behavior. Same with a 14-year-old. Oh, oh. You can be in a bad mood. I'm okay with your bad mood. It's not going to change my mood. Here's what will get you what you want if you talk to me like an adult. See, that would be good practice for you even with a four-year-old of like, sit down and be like, look, rolling on the floor. You know what another good friend? Not impressive. It's not impressive. That's a great one. Teenager one? Not impressed. Right? I used to do that with kids who would swear in the house. They'd come in and swear. 
And at first I was like, if you continue to use that language, you're not going to the pool. And that amped it up. So one day I remember I sat next to a kid and I was like, not impressed. I said, I know swear words in like seven different languages. I will teach you some if you want. But what I think you're really looking for, you want the other kids to think that you're cool, but what they really think is you're losing, you lose the pool. They're laughing at you. But I think what you're looking for, you want to be a leader, and I'm looking for a leader. So if you want to come grab me when I'm making lunch, I'll, talk to, I'll, I'll teach you how to be a leader. So it's you take the negative in, but you kind of redirect it, right? But without all that stuff. So four-year-old, yeah, I'd, I'd still use the same language. With it, and let me close with this because we're past time. I like giving kids a little bit of ownership. A four-year-old, is he a smart kid? Is a dog. She, yeah. Well, one, get together with them out on the farm or wherever they're living, right? And do, in the wilderness. That's awesome. Yeah. Switch off a little bit. No, but I want to give. That's awesome. You're going to need all, every bit of that. No, I would give. Look, I'll end with this. I want to give those kids a little bit of space. So when you wake up that four-year-old in the morning, it's like, what's in your brain right now? What are you wanting to do? Because they wake up with an agenda, right? She wakes up wanting to do something. And I'm like, what's going on? And I make whatever you want her to do, make it a challenge. Hey, bet you can't do. You know another good one? Hey, don't tell dad. Or don't tell your mom, but. As soon as you say that, they're like all over it. And they will tell mom and dad, just know that. But the challenge part of it provokes their brain a little bit and stimulates. So I have to close up. Thank you all. Thank you to the church for hosting. Thank you for organizing this. Thank you for spending this time. Um, um, I hope um, all of your kids in the next day have a nasty meltdown so that you can practice this while it's fresh. It's going to happen anyway. Um, and the final thing I always leave you with is um, enjoy. For the next week, I want you to enjoy the strong-willed child because along the way, you stopped enjoying them because they ruined your agenda and messed up your family life, right? The kind of, it's what it feels like. Start enjoying even the negative parts of them that you see negative. It will change how you see them. It will change them. And it's a cool thing. If you have questions, I'm going to hang out. We can talk because we've got pizza. We don't have to go for dinner. But um, I'll answer any questions afterwards. If you have questions afterwards, our email address is on the bottom of this. So if three months from now you're struggling with something, say, I met you in Alamosa. We were there. Email. We will answer you personally. If you get any of the programs, they come as instant downloads to your phone, to your computer. You can share with your spouse, share with teachers, share with parents, whoever you want. I don't care. Um, as you listen, if you have questions, email us. And I would listen to the strong-willed child one first. And then maybe uh, if you struggle in school, the ADHD University one, there's one for dads. The dads, you don't have to listen to them all because men don't read parenting books and they're not going to listen to all of these. So don't ask your husband to read a parenting book. They're not going to do it. But we have one program just for dads, which is short and sweet. So if you're interested, see Casey. But thank you all for coming out. Um, enjoy the rest of your night and um, enjoy your kids. And Aiden, thank you for letting me pick on you. All right, thank you all. Have a good night.